We will be in Mark chapter 2 again this morning. We've been going through the book of Mark. Just a few verses at a time, just kind of breaking it down and trying to learn from it. We took a little break from it last week since it was Mother's Day. But we are back in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. We will talk a little bit this morning about fasting. As Jesus has begun his ministry here and these last few verses that we have read, uh, in particular the last couple of things that we've talked about, uh, Jesus has kind of been on a collision course with the Pharisees and, and, and those who were really heavily followers of the law that thought Jesus was just a crazy man, that he was blasphemous. <laughs> now, I call it a collision course because uh, it seems that as Jesus b begins to bring the kingdom of God and begins to preach, uh, what he's saying doesn't line up with what they're saying. And they are always there uh, just amazed and ready to uh, get rid of Jesus instantly, even though at the beginning, uh, it's the beginning of his ministry here. Uh, there are some that did not want to hear uh, what Jesus had to say. Now, uh, the, the, the collision course we saw a couple of weeks ago was when uh, the, the, there were four men that lowered a paralyzed man through the roof, and Jesus said, uh, I forgive your sins. He told the man that he forgave his sins. And uh, the Pharisees that were in the crowd, they were appalled that Jesus would say that he could forgive sins. And they acknowledged that only God can forgive sins. What they failed to realize is that Jesus is indeed God. Now, that was one collision course we saw a few weeks ago, and, and we saw one uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we saw a collision course uh, where Jesus called uh, Matthew, Levi, as it's called him in the text here in the book of Mark. Uh, he called him to be a follower of Jesus, to be one of his apostles. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He was not looked upon very favorably by the Jewish people. Uh, not only did Jesus call Matthew a tax collector to be one of his followers, uh, but he also, in the verses following, Jesus sat down and dined with tax collectors and sinners. Again, this was a collision course that Jesus was on with the Pharisees. They asked his disciples, how dare he? How does he? Why does he sit down and eat with, with sinners? And Jesus said, look, it's the sick who need a doctor, not the righteous. Jesus came to, to save sinners, of which you and I are, as well as the people of Jesus' day were. But not all of the people realize that. Now, there are some people in our world today that may fail to realize they are sinners. Uh, but we are all sinners. If you haven't realized that I hate to burst your bubble, no, I don't hate to. I like to burst your bubble. I'm glad to let you know that you're a sinner because now you can know that you need a Savior. And Jesus said, that's what I came to do. Our, our sin is a sickness. And Jesus says, I am the doctor. I'm the great physician. And I have come to heal that. That was the collision course that we saw last. And today we, we see another collision course between Jesus and the Pharisees. And today it has to do uh, with fasting. So, let's read the text, then we'll pray, uh, then we'll talk about it. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them. Can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom is taken away from them. 
and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning and I pray that you help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you, dear Lord. God, I pray that these people would, would see Jesus in these words that we read today and in the words that will be spoken. And I pray, God, that you just help open our hearts. Dear Lord, help us to realize what Jesus wanted us to realize, that we are sinners. But God, he didn't come to, to make us realize that, to rub it in our face. He came to help us realize it so we can know that he's our Savior. And God, I pray that you just would forgive me of my sins, God. I know that there are so many times that, God, I fail. And I pray, God, that you would continue to use me in spite of me. God, I pray that for each one here. Maybe there's some here that, that have some sin, some things going on, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that we will never let our sin control us. But, God, we would control our sin through the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we talk about fasting today and, and look at what the Bible says about it, dear Lord, maybe there are times in our life that we need to fast. Maybe there are times that we need to focus on you and bring things before you in a way, God, that puts you at the forefront of our attention and our thoughts. And, God, I pray that you help me not to ramble on today. Help me to say what you would want your people to hear and say it in a way that's clear and in a way that's going to turn people's attentions and hearts to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. We don't see fasting mentioned a whole lot in the New Testament. We see it mentioned a lot more in the Old Testament. We don't see it mentioned much in the New Testament. Uh, we don't see Jesus mentioning it a whole lot either. There are a few uh, different occasions where Jesus uh, is talking about fasting. One of those occasions comes later on in Mark, in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, where his disciples were trying to cast out a demon, and he says, well, this, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. Now, even in that uh, instance, uh, it's, it's really uncertain as to how to take that because not all of the old manuscripts that we use to translate the Bible into English with, not all of them have the phrase, and fasting on there, except for prayer and fasting. Some leave that off. So it may be that Jesus didn't ever say and fasting there, or it may be that he did. There's no real way for us to know. Uh, but even if Jesus did initially, originally say and fasting with prayer there, uh, that's one instance where Jesus uh, mentioned fasting. Another instance that Jesus mentioned about fasting that we will look more at in just a little bit uh, was from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, uh, where he really is talking about uh, the wrong way to fast, if I can call it that. There were some who were fasting for their own personal gain and what people would think about how they fasted. Jesus talks about fasting there. And then Jesus talks about fasting here. Now, Jesus doesn't really elaborate or go into much detail on fasting, uh, nor does Jesus ever command that his followers should fast. Uh, Jesus realized, I think, that his followers would fast, and I believe that the Bible uh, is pretty clear that fasting is a good thing if it's done uh, with a right heart. But Jesus is dealing with the issue of fasting here. Now, fasting may not be something that's preached upon very often. I know I don't preach on it terribly often unless we come across it in the Scriptures, and it's not in the Scriptures terribly often, at least not in the New Testament. 
But we are on it today, so we will discuss fasting and what, what maybe we are to make of fasting in our life and what fasting should look like should we feel led by the Spirit to fast. Now, the problem is that there is a collision, as I mentioned before, that is taking place between Jesus and the Pharisees over fasting, or not fasting, I should say. In verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Now, we do have one account in, in the New Testament where there is a Pharisee that's, that's boasting that he fasts twice a week. Now, I don't know if that was just that one Pharisee, but I would guess, if I had to guess, that there were probably other Pharisees. I don't know how many, maybe a many, maybe there was a lot, maybe just a few. But there was at least one that was boasting in the fact that he fasted twice a week. And I believe that there were probably others who boasted in that. I believe that the question that's asked here leads us to probably think that. Because they were calling out the disciples of Jesus because they weren't fasting. Now, for the Pharisees, fasting would have probably been something really significant to them. Even though that was not commanded in the law, except to fast but one day. That's all the law in the Old Testament would have commanded. Uh, but the Jews were fasting, some of them at least, uh, quite regularly. Uh, probably a lot of them were fasting twice a week, like the other Pharisee that we see in the Scriptures who is boasting in the fact that he does such. And now when they see that the disciples of Jesus are not fasting, they question that. Well, how dare these disciples not fast? Because to them, it was an important thing. Now, fasting is an important thing. I'm not belittling uh, the, the, the concern they had there. Uh, fasting is a significant thing, but, uh, but, but fasting in and of itself, just to fast to say we fasted, uh, does not do us any good if we're not fasting from the right heart and at the right times when God may lay that on our heart to do so. Now it says that John's disciples here, I don't know who these disciples were, but there were obviously some disciples uh, who had continued to follow John. Now we know that John the Baptist was very clear uh, whenever he came as to what his mission was. His mission was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he even said, look, I'm preparing the way. I'm nothing. The one that comes after me, I'm not even worthy to tie the straps on his sandals. Now, John never had any question about what his mission was and that there was the Messiah who was to come. And even one day as Jesus was approaching, John said, this one is the Lamb of God. He even specifically pointed it out. Now, some of John's disciples, those who were following John, left to follow Jesus, which is what they should have done, which is probably what John would have wanted them to do. But there were some, it would seem, that were still following John for whatever reason. Now, John's disciples were fasting, as well as the Pharisees were fasting. But those who were following Jesus were not fasting, and that caused a, a rip. It caused another collision uh, between the Pharisees and between Jesus and his disciples. In verse 19, Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Now, Jesus is using an illustration here of this wedding feast, of a celebration, of a time of celebration. Now, Jesus is the groom. 
Now here he says, he talks about the wedding guest, uh, but, but even a stronger illustration and something that's even more significant is the fact that we are indeed the bride of Christ, that he is our groom, and if we are with him, what a joyous time that is. Now Jesus said, look, my followers are with me now, and this is not a time of mourning. This is not a time of sadness. This is a time of joy. This is a time of celebration. And what a joyous time it was. How many people in this world got to walk alongside and learn from and be with Jesus Christ? Not many. His, the 12 of his followers that he chose probably were with him more than anybody, at least during that three and a half year span of ministry. And what a joyous time that would have been for them to be with the Son of God, to be with the Messiah, to learn from the Messiah, to have the Messiah there to take care for you, to provide for you, to, to show you the miracles that he would do, to show you his power, to show you his authority, to show you his ability to bring forgiveness of sins. All of these things, the apostles who were with Jesus, they got to see. Now, oftentimes when we see fasting in Scripture, we see that there's something going on that causes the need for fasting. That is, it's not that people just say, hey, you know what, everything's going great in my life. My relationship with the Lord is great. I hadn't been sinning much lately. I'm just not going to eat today. I'm just going to fast. No, that's not what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is that fasting comes, especially in the Old Testament, with mourning. Fasting is something that comes in a time of mourning. Now, that mourning may, may come over something that has occurred, something bad. Uh, it may come over, over a loss of a loved one. It may come over a sin. Uh, for whatever it may be, there are many occasions in the Old Testament where the people are mourning. And usually that mourning is, is accompanied with fasting because it's a way of, of humbling ourselves. It was in the Old Testament and it is today. It's a way of coming to an acknowledgement of, of what we've done and, and saying, look, I, spending time focusing on the Lord and, and repenting of my sin and seeking God is way more important even than eating. We don't even want the distraction of eating. And we see that in the Old Testament a lot, people fasting, people uh, putting on sackcloth, people covering themselves with, with ashes. Those were all things that were, that, that were symbolic, that were, that were showing that they were sinning, that they were, there was something going on in their life, and that fast would accompany that. It wasn't just the not eating of food that makes fasting uh, relevant for us and important for us as Christians. If we, if we simply fast and don't eat food, all we're doing if we're not seeking the Lord is we're starving ourselves. If you're fasting and not seeking the Lord, you're starving yourself. But if you're fasting and you are seeking the Lord, you're feeding yourself. And that's the difference between what the Pharisees and the religious people were doing and what Jesus would actually have us to do should we fast. He doesn't want us just to fast and say, oh, I fasted this week, I fasted three times this week, I fasted 50 times last year. Jesus doesn't want us to say that just as a, a check mark or a bragging point over what we've done. Because if we're doing that, but we're not really seeking the Lord, well, all you're doing is an unhealthy diet and you're starving yourself. But when we fast, it should not be just to take a diet, but it should be to seek the Lord. It should be to say, all right, I'm going to not eat. I'm going to take that time that I could be eating. I'm going to take that time that I would be focusing on meeting a worldly physical need I have. And in that time, I'm going to seek the Lord. And when we fast, another thing that occurs that I believe is significant to fasting is that 
We get hungry throughout the day. If you've ever fasted, whether for medical purposes or for spiritual purposes, you probably get hungry. That first couple of hours ain't too bad, and then by mid-afternoon it's bad, and then by night it's really bad. And so every time we get hungry, boy, that's a pretty good reminder. Hey, maybe you need to pray. And guess what happens? You get hungry a lot. And if you use that as kind of your alarm, you pray a lot through the day. If every time you feel those hunger pains, you say, Lord, I'm doing this because I want to draw closer to you. Lord, I see that there is sin in my life. Lord, there's a big decision in my life. There's something coming up and I need your guidance. And I can't hear from you, God, because everything else is too busy and everything's going on and I can't hear from you. So I need to put other things aside. Because... Fasting helps us to kind of quit focusing on the other stuff. Because if you're like me, here's probably what your day looks like. You get up, you eat a little breakfast, and you go to work. and then you, Or you go to school or whatever you may do, and you got the stresses of all of those things that go on. And you're thinking about work, you're busy, you're stressed out, the phone's ringing, you got this to do, you got that to do. And then come lunch, you get a break. Praise the Lord, we need that break, that 30 minutes or that hour. And you get that break, and in that break you eat. But if you're like me, while you're eating, you want to clear your mind. You don't want to think about stuff, so you watch a YouTube video or you listen to something on the radio or whatever it may be. And all the time, your mind's distracted. You're not probably focused and thinking about the Lord. And then while you're eating, if you're, if you're not distracted by those things, you're thinking about what you're going to do the afternoon, how busy that's going to be. And then you go to the afternoon, and it's busy and it's hectic. And then you get home at night, and then you eat supper. And you're watching TV while you're eating supper. Are you thinking about how tomorrow's going to be? And then all of these things of the world that we have that, that distract us, and all of these things of the world that, that draw our attention to focus on them instead of the Lord, we end up going through days at a time maybe where you don't pray or you forget to pray because your mind's just on other things. But when we fast, even in the middle of those hectic days, when we sit for lunch and we say, oh, I'm not eating lunch today. I'm sure starving. What am I going to do instead of eating lunch? Well, I'll pray. I'm going to pray to the Lord because I'm doing this to draw closer to the Lord. And so fasting causes us, or it should cause us, to maybe slow things down a little bit. It should cause our minds that when we get in that spirit of fasting and not eating for the Lord, that, that it should change our minds, it should change our heart, and usually it does. Because usually we fast, not just because we get a wild hair and decide we want to fast. Usually we fast because we feel led by the Spirit. We feel like we need the Lord in our life, that we're not seeking Him, that we don't feel Him, that we've sinned, that whatever it is, we feel that need. We're drawn by the Spirit to the Lord. And sometimes we are drawn in a way that leads us to fast. Now, the question is, why do we fast? Well, I've already covered some of those, but I'll give you some scriptural examples as to reasons to why I think it's important uh, we fast. I've come up with, with four different times or reasons that we may fast. Now, you may come up with more. Your list may be shorter than this, but I think these scriptures may give us some, some good examples to think about that may, that may coincide with things that go on in our life. Now, one time that we may want to fast is when we are living in sinfulness. When we have done something or have been doing something that's really bad, that's really sinful, and it's just eating us up. It's weighing us down. We feel, we feel God working on us. We feel the consequences of our sin. And we come to a point where we just feel the weight of that. And we just don't know what else to do. Well, there's nothing else we can do but seek the Lord. You know, the Lord has a way 
And this is tough. You know, I was thinking just yesterday, I was thinking it's really easy to become a Christian because there is nothing that's required of us because we don't have to do anything to earn it because Jesus did everything for us. But boy, there are days that it's really hard to be a Christian because there's those temptations, there are those sins, there are those things, and, and we know better, or we're not sure what we should do. And, and sometimes, for me at least, uh, being a Christian is really hard because I sin, and I know I shouldn't sin. And sometimes I, I feel the guilt, and I feel the shame, and I feel the burden of that. And we see that with people all throughout God's Word. Uh, one example that we see of that is in uh, Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. If you want to turn there, you can. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Now, here God is calling his people to repentance because oftentimes we see in the Old Testament that God's people are living in sin. And God is not happy with that. He doesn't want them to live in sin because it brings about trouble in their life. It brings hard times on them. It makes them experience consequences for their choices that they would not have otherwise experienced had they been obedient to him. And does God say, I'm done with you, I'm going to destroy you? Nope, here we see in the text, he says, even now. What's the, what's, the, what's the instruction? Even now, even though God is angry with us, we saw that in the book of Exodus. He was ready to destroy those people, but he didn't. He relented from that, and that's exactly what this passage says. Even now, even now in your life, if you're in the middle of sinfulness, and you know you shouldn't be there, and you know you've done wrong, even now, what should you do? This is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. That's what God desires for us to do. He desires for us to turn to him with all of our heart. God does not despise someone who is brokenhearted. He will not reject those who come before him humbly. Now, we don't do that when we're living in our sin. We're living for ourselves. We're doing things our way. And God doesn't want us to keep doing that. And so sometimes God calls us out. That's what makes it hard as a Christian for me sometimes is when God calls me out. Sometimes God calls me out in his word. Sometimes he calls me out by other pre people. And that's hard because it's like, golly, God, I thought I was better than that. But really, we're sinners, and sometimes we need to be called out for the sin that we do. And God did that to his people here. And his, his command to them, or his declaration to them, I should say, was, Hey, look, if you're in this type of situation, even now, call out to the Lord with weeping and fasting. And with weeping and fasting and mourning comes a, comes a heart of repentance, typically. We realize and we acknowledge that we are wrong, that we are sinning. And we mourn over that because we're ashamed of that. And that shame is what draws us to come back to the Lord because we're not happy about where we are and what we've done. 
And that may be a time in our life that we, we need to fast. Maybe some of you may need to pray about that right now. There may be some sin in your life and you're tired of it. And the devil's held it over your head and you say, I've had enough, God. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to seek you. And I'm going to bring everything to you. And I'm going to quit focusing on the world and the sin. And I'm going to focus on you. And I believe that that's what Joel chapter 2 uh, is calling us to. We see other examples of, uh, of the same type of thing uh, in the book of Jonah. When God sent Jonah to the people. And he said, look, I want you to go preach to these people. And Jonah ran. He got ate by the big fish. Some of you may know the story. And, and Jonah eventually went and preached to Nineveh. And what did the people do? They repented of their sinfulness. Now God said, look, I'm going to destroy this city. But when the people heard the news, when they realized that they were in the wrong and God had called them out for their sin that they were living in, their response was a proper response. They they put on the sackcloth, it says. Uh, they began to repent of their sins. They were mourning. They were fasting. There was a decree sent out. Nobody eat. We need to acknowledge our sin. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. And when they repented of their sinfulness, guess what God did? He relented from bringing disaster on them. He didn't relent from bringing disaster on them because they didn't eat for a few days. He relented from bringing disaster on them because their heart was right. And sometimes there's a connection there. Sometimes there's a connection, and often there is, between something that we physically do that has a spiritual effect on our life. And when we spiritually say, God, I'm going to give up something physically in this world, it affects us spiritually. Now, when we see fasts in Scripture, they, we see uh, food fast. There may be other fasts, but I, I don't know of any off the top of my head. But typically when I'm reading and I see a fast in Scripture, uh, it's almost always having to do with food. But I do believe that we can fast from other things. That is, take a break from them. Cut them out of our life for a period of time. Now, a food fast is a, is a wonderful thing, and should the Spirit lead you to do that, then do that as often as the Spirit should lead you to do it. Uh, but I also believe that there may be other things that we can fast on in our life. Maybe we take a TV fast. We say, you know what, God, I watch a lot of TV, and that consumes my minds and my thoughts. You know what, tonight, on Tuesday nights, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to turn it on. And you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. Here's, here's my problem. You may have this problem too. Is I'm never in the quiet. I've always got something on. I've always got the radio on. I've always got the TV on. I've always got this going on. I'm always listening to that. I'm always playing a game. I'm always whatever. And guess what happens when we're always doing something? It does not give the Lord an opportunity to speak to us. You'd be amazed if you've never done it. Whatever that thing you love, I don't know what it is. Maybe watching TV, maybe playing video games, maybe working on your flowers, maybe going fishing. It may be whatever. It's a million things. I don't know what your hobby is or what you like to do. But you may be amazed if you said, God, I'm going to take one day off from that. I'm going to take a couple of hours off from that. Boy, that first few minutes is like, oh, it's going to take forever. <laughs> oh, God, I told you two hours, but God, how about 30 minutes? That's something. That's a start. And then we start trying to back. But after, after that first few minutes... Boy, you'd be amazed if you sit down and you really try to focus on the Lord. You're going to be distracted. Your mind's going to be thinking about this and the other. But if you really try, guess what? Eventually, what happens is you really fade out those things of the world and begin to focus on the Lord. And then the Lord can begin to speak and begin to work in our hearts and in our minds. And if we read God's Word, they begin to speak to us. 
Not if we're reading, okay, I got to read my chapter today and I got to hurry up because Survivor comes on in a little bit. I've been watching it for 20 years. I can't stop now. And so let me read that. I read my chapter, done. We're probably not going to get much out of God's Word when we do that. I'm guilty. You might not be. I've done that before, you know, just doing things. Oh, I got to, so I need to go ahead and get it over with. Well, that's religion. That's not Christianity. That's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to seek Him. And when we shut off everything else and set aside time for God and we fast from our hobbies and we give God the time, God can begin to work. The reason why God may not be working in your life, if He's not, I don't know if He is or not, it may be because you're not giving Him an opportunity to. But fasting, whether it be by our giving up a food or giving up something that we do and giving that time to God, that opens the door for the Lord to work in our heart. And when that door opens, I'm going to give you a warning. Because when we let God into our heart, He finds things that we may not want Him to find. He starts revealing things to us that we've buried away. Things that we don't want to admit. Sin that's there that we know has been there and we just kind of been pushing it on the rug. Because when we begin to seek the Lord and seek His Word, He comes into our heart. And boy, He brings us a lot of joy, but sometimes He brings us a little discipline. But I got good news for you if He does that. You need to rejoice in that because the scripture says that the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. Now that's good stuff right there. That's great stuff. I used to thank my parents when they would get on to me as a kid. Oh, I used to think they hated me. But now that I'm an adult, I realize they love me. If they hadn't disciplined me, if they hadn't stopped me, if they hadn't put the kibosh, to quote from Seinfeld, on the bad things that I was doing, boy, I'd have been in bad shape. Now I thought that they were mean to me when they disciplined me, but I know now that they love me. And that's what God's Word says. And sometimes when we fast and open up and give things up and open our heart to the Lord, sometimes He reveals things that we need to deal with. But praise the Lord that He does. Another time that we may want to fast in Scripture is when we are making a big decision. When there's something big, a big change, something that's about to occur, something that has occurred in our life. Now we see in Matthew chapter 4 at the beginning of that chapter, that Jesus, right before he begins his ministry, he goes into the wilderness, he is led into the wilderness by the Spirit uh, to be tempted, it said, and for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasts. Now, Jesus was fasting. I believe that Jesus was getting ready. I believe that God was preparing him for the mission, for the ministry that he was going to have to do. And Jesus needed to be strong spiritually. He needed to be focused on the Lord. He needed to be, to be ready to do whatever the Lord called him to do because it was going to be a tough mission. Because all throughout Jesus' ministry, he was going to be colliding with the Pharisees, and then ultimately they would kill him. So Jesus had to be strong. He had to be ready. And when we fast, that is give up food or give up other things, it helps us to grow spiritually. If we're genuinely fasting to seek the Lord, we, we grow in the Lord in those times. It makes us stronger in the Lord. It makes us more sufficient on Him and less sufficient on ourselves. And I believe that in this time that Jesus was fasting, that it was a time of preparation to get Him ready for what was to come. Now, there may be decisions in your life, maybe big decisions with family or big decisions with work, and you want to have a clear mind to make the right decisions. Well, fasting would be a good time to do that. To say, God, I want to be clear. I want to be led by you and I want to hear you. So God, I'm going to fast. I'm going to take a day and I'm not going to eat. I'm going to take a day and I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give up TV for a week. Some of you would say blasphemy. Mm -hmm. I'm going I'm to do this or I'm going to do that or whatever it may be. 
But there may be times in your life that when you have to make a really big decision or going through a really big change, those are the times you need to clearly hear from the Lord. And fasting is one reason why we need to do that. That's why we need to fast. Another reason may be when we are really stressed or worried or something bad is going on. Now, I won't read all these because I know we're getting short on time, and I won't read you these scriptures, but in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 15 to 23, come see me after church. If you didn't get these, I'll give them to you if you want to read them for yourself. I encourage you to do that always. Uh, but in that passage, we see David who was mourning over his son who was sick. Now, this is kind of similar to the first one we talked about. Now, part of the reason this was going on is because of David's sin. Well, it was entirely the reason. David had sinned. He committed adultery. And as a result of that, his son had become ill. And David is fasting and he is mourning. He's grieving because his son is sick. And he's pleading with God that he would heal his son. God ultimately did not heal David's son in that instance. And he says at the end of it, his, his servants saw him fasting and he says, he's, they come to him and they say, well, look, uh, when the child was alive, you were grieving and you were mourning, you were fasting, and now the child is, is dead. You've essentially just kind of gone on your way. And he says, look, the child is gone now. I'll never, uh, he'll never come to me again, but I will go to him. David knew what he needed to do. And even though the Lord didn't answer that prayer in that time, David was right in fasting and mourning and going before the Lord. Now, there may be people in our life that are sick, people that are ill, people that we are concerned about, people that are living a sinful lifestyle, and we are concerned about the effects of them. And we may fast for them, for other people, for something else that's going on, for those who are around us. Maybe even fasting for our country, for our nation, for the people of Burma, for the, 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 the people of ISIS and the things they do. Fasting and praying that God would change their hearts, that God would deliver those people, that God would would heal those people who are sick. That's another occasion or instance in our life that we may fast. Another similar instance to the one that we read uh, from Joel a while ago occurs in Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, he's getting these visions in chapter 9 and 10 of all of these bad things that are happening and occurring to God's people because they have sinned. And, and here they are in captivity under the Babylonians because of the sins that's been committed. And da uh, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, is pouring his heart out to the Lord and confessing, God, we are sinners. Your people are sinners. And it says that he's fasting and he's weeping over the sin that he and his people have committed. Now those may be some times as to when you may want to fast, when those types of things are going on. Why might you want to fast? Well, you want to grow closer to the Lord. There's something going on to your life. What kind of things might they be? Well, those may be some examples of reasons why you want to fast. But there is a right way to fast and a wrong way to fast. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus uh, is talking about uh, some Pharisees here. And they are, they are fasting for all the wrong reasons. They are fasting to be seen by other people. So really what they were doing is just what I said. They were just starving themselves a couple days a week because they weren't really drawing closer to the Lord. They were making themselves look bad. Oh, they were looking the part so that people would see. And then when they asked, what are you doing? Oh, I'm fasting. And people would say, wow, look at them. They are so good. They are fasting twice a week. Wow, they're so holy. But Jesus was saying, no. They're doing it to be seen by people. And Jesus says, 
If what they want is to be seen by people, they'll get it, but that'll be all they'll ever get. But Jesus says when we fast, if we're a follower of Him, we fast in secret and let the Lord know our heart, and the Lord will reward us in secret. And the Lord does reward when we fast. If you've ever fasted and really begin to seek Him, you know that. When you give Him all of your heart and search for Him with all of your heart, guess what? He does bless you. You are rewarded because you feel the joy of His presence. You feel the joy of His forgiveness. You feel the joy of His guidance. And Jesus says there are some that are doing everything to be seen. And that's appropriate to apply to things other than fasting. That's anything in our life. We should never do anything to be seen. If we're doing it to be seen and to get the glory of men, then we have totally missed the boat. We need to go back and read God's Word a little more. So when we fast, if you fast, we don't make a big to-do about of it. We don't want other people to know. We want to make ourselves look good, as the Bible says. Make yourself look clean. Don't look disheveled. Don't look like there's anything going on. Don't mention a word about it. You fast because you're seeking the Lord, and you let the Lord do the work in your life. Don't worry about what other people are going to say in your life. In closing this passage, Jesus gives a couple of examples. He gives a couple of examples about a, a, about a, a, a wineskin, and before that he gives an example about sewing a patch on an unshrunk garment. Now Jesus says that there is a time when his followers, when his disciples were going to fast. That time would come. Jesus knew that his disciples would fast. Now, it's possible that Jesus simply was meaning mourning there, although I don't think so. Although mourning does typically, it's associated with fasting. And Jesus' followers would mourn when he left. Uh, but while he was there, they had no need to fast. It was a time of celebration. But when he was gone and he was not with them, they would, of course, mourn his death. But they would also face many difficulties, as we can all attest to, because we face many difficulties. And we understand, probably, if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you've experienced this, that there is a need to put things else, other, other things by the side and fast and focus on the Lord. And Jesus said that time will come. There will be times, although he doesn't say when the times should be, but there will be times. And Jesus said, look, my disciples aren't worried about the old way. They're not trying to, to fit into some tradition, to some rule that was made about fasting like the disciples with. He said, you're trying to do things the old way. You don't put something new on something old. You can't, you can't mesh the two together. And that's what some would try to do, as we see later on in the New Testament. There were some who were trying to be followers of Jesus and trying to live under the law, trying to live under the old ways, live under the old religious ways that may not have even been part of the law. And Jesus said, look, my way is different. My way is new. My way is better. And that's what my disciples are doing. They're following me. And Jesus said, look, you can't take what's new and mix it with what's old because the two won't work. He says if you take an unshrunk patch and you put it uh, on, a, on, on a garment that's already shrunk, when you wash it, uh, that garment is, that patch is going to shrink and it will pull away and make a bigger hole than what was there to start with. It was not going to be effective. You couldn't mix and match the two together. Jesus was trying to get them to turn from the old way and turn to Him. To turn from their old wicked ways and turn to obedience to Him. He uses another illustration that's, that's similar. 
He says you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. Now, wineskins may have been made from, uh, from the hides of animals, and a fresh hide that was just killed on an animal would stretch when the wine skin, or excuse me, when the wine went in, because new wine would ferment, and the gases would cause it to expand, and the, the wineskin would not burst. But if you were to put new wine in an old wineskin that was brittle, that had been dried out throughout the years, as those fermentation begin to take place and the gases begin to expand, uh, that wineskin would burst. It would destroy the old. And that's what Jesus came to do. And that's what he was trying to get them to realize. Don't get caught up in your old wicked ways, but something new have come. I have come. A better way have come. I am the one that you need to follow. Jesus says you can't have it both ways. And he was trying to help those Pharisees and those who were around to understand what was going on. There may be something going on in your life. There may be times in your life that you need to fast. I would encourage you to pray about it. The Spirit may lead you to do that. I don't believe there's any benefit in just setting a schedule and say I'm going to fast on Mondays and Fridays if our heart's not really in it. Now, if you fast every Monday and Friday and your heart is completely focused on the Lord, then so be it. Praise God. But when do we fast? We fast when the Spirit leads us to. We fast when those times come. How do we fast? We fast by giving up those things that maybe God has put on our heart that we need to give up. We give up whatever we need to give up that's going to help us to focus on the Lord and trust Him all the more. When we're making a big decision, when we're living in sin, when we're struggling, when we're worried, when we're afraid, whatever those situations may be, the best place that we can go is to the Lord. And sometimes we're distracted from the Lord with all of our things. But fasting has a way to get our hearts right and to get our minds right and to focus on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's what Jesus wanted his disciples to do and that's what he wanted all those that came to him to do. And some of them missed it. But let us not be those who miss Jesus because of all the things that we're used to or all the things that are around us and all the things that distract us. Let us push those things to the, time, to the side when the time comes and give our focus to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that if there is one in this room that's never been a follower of Jesus, that today that they would be, dear Lord. God, maybe they've never once humbled themselves and acknowledged and admitted their sin, dear Lord. Maybe through hearing your word today or maybe something they read this week or have heard in the past, they're convicted. They know that they're doing wrong, dear Lord, but I pray that they would heed your word, the same advice that you gave to your people in the Old Testament that we looked at today, that God, even now, even now, sitting in this room today, no matter what sin may have been committed, dear Lord, even now we can repent. Even now we can turn. Even now we can humble ourselves before you. Even now we can fast if we need to, if that's what it takes to get our attention fully on you, dear Lord. Even now there is forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, dear Lord. You don't want us to live in old ways. You want us to live in Jesus Christ. You want to make us something new, dear Lord. Your Word tells us that you want to make us into a new creation, dear Lord. And we want to be made new because we want you to pour the Holy Spirit into us. We want Jesus Christ in our life and we want to be able to take Him, dear Lord. We want to be able to be filled up and renewed. God, and that's what your Word says that you'll do. God, you say you'll make us a new creation. You say you renew us. You say you forgive us. You say you lead us and you guide us, dear Lord. Your Word tells us all those things. And I pray that if there's one that's never trusted Jesus Christ, that today that they would do so. God, maybe there are some in here that are already yours. God, no doubt there are some. But maybe there are some that, that need to come to you. 
And maybe they are distracted with stuff and work and things and worries and fears and sin, dear Lord, and these things that come in our life. God, if, if they need to fast in their life, dear Lord, let them, let them know it when the time comes. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's 10 years from now. Maybe it's never, dear Lord. Maybe you never lead them in that way. But God, if you do, God, let them, let them be faithful to serve you and to, and to fast in you in a way that they're going to seek you with all their heart. God, help us not to be religious and cut out a meal today just because we heard this sermon. Dear Lord, that ain't going to do us no good if we're not seeking you. But help us to seek you with all of our heart, dear Lord, whether we fast or not. I pray that you help us to seek you and do things for the right reasons and with the right heart. Because God, you know our heart and you know our actions. And you know if those two things don't line up. So God, let us be those who let our actions line up with our heart. And if they don't, convict us so we can repent, God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.